Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. And since this is a vacation week, 4th of July just happened, we thought for this episode we would take a road trip. So we're getting all packed up in the car and we are heading out to the desert to check out a very big rock and a building that was built uh, half a century ago that was supposed to save humanity. So uh, we're going to hit the road and uh, we'll see you there. Yeah, it's very exciting. This is our hippie Huel Hauser episode. <laughs> is that a big rock? What is that? Is that a taco? <laughs> hey, you guys want to talk to me? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Louie, get a shot of this. All right, we'll see you in a bit. Okay, so we decided to take a little detour and stop at Hadley's Date Farm, which is where you can get a date shake and all kinds of fruits and nuts, although the place looks completely different than it used to. Rachel, this used to be like a little stand, and now it looks like, uh, I don't know, some kind of Whole Foods market or something. Yeah, it looks like a Sprouts. Hi, can I get a small uh, banana date shake? Small date banana? Yep. Anything else? No, that's all. Thank you. Super sweet. Mm -hmm. I like it with the banana. I do like it with the banana. It's, uh, it gives it a milder Yeah. maybe? Oh, I, sorry, I didn't realize there was dog, I mean, uh, bird shit over here on the side. <laughs> if that was dog shit, I'd be worried. <laughs> all right, let's get back on the road. Alright guys, we're creeping very slowly up to our second stop. I wish you could see it. This is um, a road that's a lot like jumping waves behind a boat. It's very rolly. Extremely, extremely rolly. <laughs> Take pictures of these like moguls on a ski hill. I don't know why I keep doing sports things. I'm not a sport person. Yeah, we're, uh, we're looking for this giant rock, uh, but there are a ton of giant rocks out here. We passed one that could have been it. Oh, wait, I think that might be it. Oh, that's the big rock. Yeah, okay, I think we're approaching it. And uh, why are we going to this rock, this giant rock? Oh, wow, it is giant. It's way bigger than the one that I thought might be. Uh, this is a rock that George Van Tassel, who was... Um, a engineer uh, worked in aerospace and uh, when he retired he moved out to Landers California which is where we are in the desert outside of Yucca Valley um, because he and a bunch of other aeronautics engineers aerospace engineers uh, found this area to be very um, metaphysical I guess is the way to put it <laughs> and so he had a friend who had lived out here under this giant rock seriously lived under a rock there should be a house built around it or something and so he moved out here and uh, started being visited by aliens who told him to build a structure that would save the world and that was the Integratron which is where we're gonna be going next 
I'm but, sure this all checks out. <laughs> yeah. The aliens who came to visit him were from Venus. Um, not Venus, uh, necessarily the planet Venus, but the dimension Venus. So, um... You guys know the dimension Venus, right? Exactly. So these Venusians came and told him how to build this structure, and, um, it was supposed to save the world, and, uh, you know, by, I don't know, because it didn't have nails, I guess? I don't know. So, save the world from what, do we know? Oh, hatred and anger and war and all those things. That's what I believe. And pollution. But we should talk about what we're approaching right now because this rock is fucking huge. It looks like a whale is coming out of the earth or something. Um, yeah, and it, it, a slice of it has like it. has fallen off. Oh, and right. this slice is the size of an RV. Really, it's huge, but shaped differently than most RVs. I don't think I've ever seen a rock this big, ever. This, for all the bumpy road and worrying about getting out here, um, I think this was worth it. So we're going to get out and walk around and check it out. Wow. This is pretty amazing. Oh, someone else is here too. Holy shit. Do you want to get a picture of where his house probably was? That rock says love up there. Wow. So, in the pictures that I saw, Yeah. It looks bigger than an RV to me now. Now yeah. that we're up closer. And that's just the side chip. Yeah, that's huge. They said this rock is three stories? I don't remember. I think on the website it says three stories. Let's look at the website. I got it right here. We're in the middle uh, of nowhere and we still get reception apparently. Well, I've had I've saved this. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Uh, this rock has been a Native American spiritual site for thousands of years. The modern backstory of the boulder begins in the 1930s when a German immigrant and miner named Frank Kreitzer met a pilot named George Van Tassel. That's our protagonist for this episode. Um, uh, They became friends and Van Tassel loaned Kreitzer $30 to buy mining equipment. Kreitzer then dug out a 400 square foot home for himself directly beneath the giant rock. This made the locals think he was crazy, but since he was known to point a shotgun at those who approached his underground home, no one inquired further. In addition to being a notoriously gruff customer, Kreitzer was also a radio enthusiast and is said to have set up a radio antenna on top of the rock for better reception. Um, Do you see an underground home? Nope, I don't see any underground home, but maybe it's around the other side. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was, was right here. The roof? Nope. It's 
Watch out for all the glass. I maybe should have put on some tennis shoes here. Yeah, and they warned us about snakes. Hopefully a snake won't enter my car. You want some date shape? <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> Here's the thing about date shakes. First two sips are awesome. Yeah. Third sip, you kind of feel like maybe it's a lot. Yeah, you don't want any more. Well, maybe this is where he lived. Maybe um, it was under this part of the rock. I mean, if the rock is considered ground? No, I don't think the rock was ground. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, I think the rock was considered the roof. Well, here, what about this? There's a, maybe it's down there. That's gotta be it. I am not going in there. Hell no. But. That must be. That must be where. Yeesh. If you were. That, that looks like, horrible. <laughs> yeah. That looks like where a serial killer would hide the bodies. think that is there's some kind of interesting symbols which probably mean nothing but somebody put it there well you can feel the venusians here i wonder when this piece fell off it's huge and the view from here is pretty awesome in the other direction Okay, I just want to finish reading about Van Tassel because here's the other thing um, about uh, this giant rock. So after Kreitzer, the guy who came out here and built the house under it, died, Van Tassel came out here. He had been a high school dropout and then he'd been a pilot. So he came out here and reopened an airfield at the giant rock in the 50s, naming it Giant Rock Airport. And he was also friend with Howard Hughes. He was a test pilot for Howard Hughes. And so, um, okay, in addition to being a pilot, Van Tassel was also a believer in aliens, which is probably why there are pictures of aliens graffitied on this rock, because people come out here and maybe give, put, draw them there as a tribute to him. In 1952, Tassel began holding meditation sessions in the old home that was under the giant rock. And here, Van Tassel believed he was receiving vital information from alien sources for the construction of a fantastic machine. The body, Van Tassel learned from his alien sources, was an electrical device and aging was caused by a loss of power. Van Tassel claimed to have even been transported to an alien spaceship where he met a wise group of aliens known as the Council of Seven Lights. Tassel said this extraterrestrial meeting, along with ideas from scientists such as Nikola, uh, as Tesla, uh, inspired the construction of a building device which was to be the rejuvenation machine. It was dubbed the Integratron. By the way, I'm getting all of this great information from the Atlas Obscura website. So that's what I'm reading this from. I did not write it myself. I don't want to 
take any credit. So thank you to the good folks at Atlas Obscura for writing this article up. So should we go to the Integratron? We should absolutely go to the Integratron. Okay. So we are now at the Integratron. We're sitting in a outdoor loungy area. There's actually lounge music playing, people waiting, there's hammocks. Oh, and there's someone nearby who's actually sleeping in a hammock, which I didn't realize. It's very calm and mellow out here and nice and shady in the hot desert. And uh, so we are about to go into the Integratron. Van Tassel, who had lived at the giant rock, was being visited by aliens. And he held a lot of UFO conventions on his property um, to help raise money to build this structure called the Integratron, also known as the Rejuvenation Machine. And it's a domed structure built without nails. It took him 34 years to build it. And it's said to be capable of collecting up to 50,000 volts of static electricity from the air in order to charge the human body. Unfortunately, Tassel died from a heart attack before it got completed. So uh, it, it never got used the way the aliens were telling him to use it. But he was never quite sure of what that was anyway. And over the years, people wanted to turn it into different things. A disco. Desert disco? A desert disco, yeah. People would come down here and strobe out in there to some uh, village people. But um, in the 80s, the, the two women, so at this point, uh, two sisters own it. And in the 80s, they would come out here and uh, they lived in New York and they would come out here to kind of get away and explore the desert. And they saw this dome and always asked about it. I think they'd seen it many times, gotten a tour. And then at some point, they were able to buy it. And they would have, uh, friends would rent it for certain things, and they would have, uh, you know, people would rent it to um, have little conferences and things like that, or families would rent it. And they had a friend here who said, you know, this building would be really cool space for me to play my crystal bowls. And so they brought crystal bowls in, and it was amazing, and it made the space vibrate, and people could feel it. And so for the last several years, they've been doing sound baths and it started off with just a couple times a week. And then now they do sound baths pretty much every single day of the week. I think it's like Tuesday through Sunday, every week, several appointments. And you, you have to make reservations to come here. So you can't just show up and expect to get a sound bath. But uh, so Rachel and I uh, were about to uh, go get a sound bath. I'm really excited. I know April has had sound baths before, but I haven't. And I'm interested to see what happens. Do you know? Is there any scientific? I think we need to find out if there's anything scientific. It definitely feels like something's happening. It's really cool. You can feel some vibration. And um, yeah, the way that it uh, moves around in the space because it's a dome is really interesting. And uh, we did contact the sisters to see if maybe um, if they would be interested in being interviewed for this, but they're getting ready to um, close for the summer and they were going to take off and they just didn't have enough time and declined to be interviewed for now. So we thought we'd just come out anyway and tell the story ourselves. Oh, and when we went to check in just now, uh, there was a Hulhauser episode playing uh, of um, when Hulhauser went out to visit the giant rock. So that was pretty fun. 
I purposely, April, actually didn't read up on the scientific effects of sound on the human body just to see if I could feel something and then think that we should do some research. And Yeah, I think we should. So we'll find out all the scientific stuff and the name of the sisters when we're done. And we'll check back in with you after we've had our sound bath. I'll let you know exactly how it feels. Good luck, Rachel. And if any aliens come to you, tell them I send them peace. Cool. As long as they don't probe me, I'll be all right. Oh, I want to be probed. So it's after the sound bath, and uh, Rachel and I have driven down the street. We stopped in at a bar called the Landers Brew Company for a couple cold beers and to uh, talk about what what happened. So Rachel, what did you feel? Uh, wow, 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 wow. It's a bit of all right, you know? It's a bit of all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the whole experience. I mean, the space itself is amazing. We're posting pictures on Instagram, and we'll be posting them on our uh, Facebook page also. But um, it looks like a ship in there. I mean, it's really gorgeous. It was built in the 50s. I mean, it's been around forever. Yeah. Well, it's been around for a long time. And uh, It's 102 degrees out here, and inside it's cool and refreshing without air conditioning. And it smells like heaven. It's amazing. Yeah, they burn some kind of copal or some kind of, I don't know, incense wood or something. And, uh, yeah, you just kind of get this mellow feeling. Um, you can definitely feel the vibration of all the sound going through you the whole time. 
and the bowls were just incredible, right? When she was going through each one for each chakra, could you feel it in those areas? Absolutely. I also want to say she was the perfect guide, I guess you'd call her, for me personally, is as we talked about before we went in, I wanted to know if there was any science. She's a cardiac nurse and lives in both left brain, right brain kind of life. And it was important for her to point out, yeah, the history. She's like, that sounds like a crazy story, but here's how it works. And I thought that was really cool. I want to look up some research still and find out if they've found any scientific studies that prove how it affects you on a cellular level. But damn, my body feels amazing. Yeah, it's just kind of totally, uh, I feel super positive and uplifted now. And... um, you know, the other times that I've been, I've so that was a third, I don't know what you'd call her, a guide, the third guide that I've had there. Uh, the first guy was really good and also interesting, but he came from a totally different perspective and talked about how aliens had also come to him. And he had a really, he, he was going at it from a much more sort of spiritual alien, you know, kind of place. And the other person, I believe, was this guide's sister. And so she was kind of similar, had a similar sort of story uh, to tell about the history and really went into the history and then why they were attracted to the space and why they bought it and then why, um, why they decided to do sound baths there. So, so cool. Yeah. I also want to point out is my monkey mind has been going crazy this week and it feels really relaxed now. Yeah, I feel super mellow and like, uh, it's all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay till we hear the next uh, news drop. But anyway, let's yeah, just uh, let's just enjoy the desert and the beer. And uh, this yeah. was this was a great road trip. Absolutely, might as well sign off with that note. Yeah. We might sign in again if we see something interesting. But uh, I'd say as a first road trip show, this was a good one. We sure liked it. You guys have to check out the Integratron, and if you come out here, you got to get a date shake. You got to check out the Big Rock. Stop in for a beer, and uh, who knows what's next down the road before we get back to L.A. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you maybe in a little bit or maybe next time. Hello again, guys. This time we're talking to you from Pappy and Harriet's at Pioneer Town. It's a great bar. I think the first time I came out to Joshua Tree, we stopped here and Kenny Loggins was playing that night. Yeah, that's right. Danger Zone. Um, And then we came here on New Year's Day once. And who did you see? I saw Cindy Lauper in the bathroom. Cindy Lauper in the bathroom. (laughs) That's a great Sighting. I mean, we live in L.A., but that's kind of one of the coolest people I've heard anybody see. Um, anyways, still processing the sound bath. I was telling April in the car, I don't want to say I got out of the finite dimension, but uh, just as I was opening my eyes after the vibrations, I was looking at the wood panels, and it totally looked like, and sorry, Mom, if you're listening, but when you start to hallucinate on mushrooms (laughs) and everything starts to swim, those like, I don't want to say wood panels, but the wood grains were kind of, yeah. So something was swimming and it was beautiful and relaxing. It was great. 
we also had a great conversation with uh, the owner of the Landers uh, brew house, um, which was really fun. We didn't record it because we just met him and we felt a little weird about putting him on the spot and putting ourselves on the spot to ask him to be interviewed. But uh, he was really cool and uh, I think we're going to do a show about him maybe. We'll have an episode where we interview him because interesting Scottish guy that worked in L.A., was part of a cannabis collective there for a long time and then came out to uh, the desert to open uh, kind of another Pappy and Harriet's. I mean, on a much smaller scale so far, but it sounds like lots of bands are coming to play at his place, and uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's really cool. I love to meet a Scotsman out in the middle of the desert. It's a great place to meet one. Yep. So now we're just going to have a little food and then get on the road and head back to L.A. We'll be putting all of the pictures up on Instagram and Facebook and website and maybe putting together a little short video of some of the places we've seen. That would be good. Well, we'll go ahead and sign off now. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll, we'll talk to you when we're back in the studio. Oh, yeah, and the Joshua trees out here, as Rachel said, they're killing it. They are killing it. is the end of our road trip we're back in LA there was no traffic thank you holiday weekend (laughs) but um that was a great great trip and uh, I'm still feeling zingy from the Integratron so um I guess I'll uh I'll see you soon Rachel yeah thanks for driving me on the road trip it was super fun and I'll see you back at the studio yeah let's find out some facts and uh report on those. Okay, bye Rachel. Have a good night. Hi everyone, this is April. And this is Rachel, and we're back in the studio. We wanted to bring you some of those uh, bits of data that we were promising you. So uh, Rachel actually got some information about uh, the science behind sound baths. Not quite the science behind how it works, but some studies that have proved that it works. So I read a a Washington Post article about a sand bath in Washington, D.C., and it was really cool. These guys were great. It was a good article. We'll put it up on the website. But it also had links to some really dense and thorough research papers and some perspectives on it. So um, what they found is numerous studies, of course, have shown that music of any type affects your mood which is pretty obvious to any of us who have ever listened to music, right? (laughs) Uh, But additional studies that show that it could also affect you physiologically. So um, it can affect your skin. It can affect your muscle tension, uh, your respiration rate, your blood pressure, of course, but even your immune system. So that's pretty awesome. And it stimulating music can help um, with growth hormones. But I would say that stimulating music, you know, I used to go to a lot of metal shows and stuff. And with social anxiety, 
that always just took it away. I'm like, yeah, just having fun. So if you have fast grunge was a big thing too in Seattle, obviously. So we'd go to these garage bands and any social anxiety you have is gone. You just go with the flow. It's great. Another really cool thing I found with the research and these papers went into is medical um, research, specifically and primarily with surgeries. So in addition to or in lieu of anesthetics, they have found that uh, this thing called binaural notes, which are two specific tones used together, can really reduce your anxiety pre-op. They did a subject where some people had no music, um, some people had music, And then some people had that same music track with the binaural notes beats put in. And the embedded binaural notes showed 26% anxiety reduction. And the music itself still did 11%, which was pretty awesome. Of course, personality factors and music preferences do affect that. But I think it's rad. It's cool that actual tones can affect certain parts of your, your body. Yeah, well, and as we said, while we were there, I definitely felt some, you know, all of those uh, chakras that she was talking about seeming to happen in different parts of my body. So that really, um, it did make a difference. And I still feel like I'm riding that high of that sound bath. If I could, I would go there a couple times a week. Absolutely. I wish they had some kind of membership program where I could go regularly. It's funny that you say that, that Washington Post, if you're in D.C. and you happen to be listening to it, that article, the people that that were in that article actually do have a membership. And since you're in the city, it's a little bit, it sounds a little bit less woo-woo-y than where we went. You're encouraged to get up and fidget if you need, but they have a different $10 for your first 10 days, go as often as you want in $15 packages, kind of like a yoga package. That's really cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I would want out there at the Integratron. Yeah, absolutely. If we could always guarantee that the traffic would be so light on the way back in. Well, I also have some updates to make. I had uh, have a <laughs> I had one thing wrong. There are actually three sisters who bought the Integratron. They bought it in the early 2000s. I thought there were just two sisters. Joanne, Nancy, and Patty Carl are the sisters who bought it. And Joanne is the one who was our guide on Friday, oh. which is really cool. And she was great. She was great. They started visiting the Integratron back in the 80s, which I think I talked about, and then they began making trips out to it regularly for the next several years, and in fact were experimenting with different kinds of sounds, because they saw it as a sound chamber. And then their friend tried the crystal bowls, and then they went from there. So uh, I was also wrong about them being from New York. Uh, One sister is from Pennsylvania, another from the Hamptons, and the other sister was from Marin County. They say it's the only all-wood, acoustically perfect sound chamber in the U.S. And a New York Times article that I was reading from a couple years ago by Jody Rosen, she described the experience of a sound bath like being in the belly of a massive cello. And I thought that was perfect. That's exactly what it felt like, like being in the body of a musical instrument Yeah. that then takes you out to somewhere else. I also learned a little bit more about what George Van Tassel wanted to use the Integratron for in addition to being a rejuvenator. He also wanted it to be an anti-gravity chamber, and he also thought it could be used for time travel. (laughs) So, And what's so great, at the end of the New York Times article, we'll link this on our website, uh, one of the sisters talks about, you know, maybe somebody's going to walk in the door someday and know exactly how to use it as a time traveler. 
And then these are some fun facts about the Integratron. Uh, the band Arctic Monkeys, they recorded part of their song Secret Door at the Integratron in 2008. Uh, Dengue Fever has a song called Integratron. And they shot the video for another song called, I think, Snee Bong inside of it. And you may have also seen it on Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations. And then this one I find hilarious, too. It was used as the set for an abandoned android manufacturing plant in a cult sci-fi movie called Cherry 2000, starring Melanie Griffith. I may have seen that. I think I might have seen that movie. I'm going to have to revisit it. It's not good. No, they, yeah, it sounds like it's not good. <laughs> they say it's B grade. But I just, I mean, of course, that's perfect. I mean, it, it has this very, like, 80s new wave feel to it a little bit, too. Like, in addition to being very modern, loungy, new agey, I feel like there is a bit of, I can, I can still see the 80s disco, oingo boingo, devo kind of sci-fi-ness around that place. I'm going to have to take a better look when we go back out because I missed that vibe to it. I don't think it has that vibe anymore, but I feel like when I travel back through my mind's time, <laughs> I can picture that. It felt, it felt very um, World Fair 1950s to me. Absolutely. And then I feel like there was sort of a resurgence of that 50s look in the 80s and early 90s with Pee Wee's Playhouse. And like there were a bunch of... Cal Arts artists who were kind of playing around with that kind of 50s sci-fi look. That's good to know. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't as hip as you in the 80s. I was definitely not hip. (laughs) (laughs) I just lived in California where these things were around us. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed our road trip out to the Integratron. And uh, you should definitely, definitely go out there and check it out. Uh, I believe they're going to be closed from now until mid-August because it's super hot out there and they're taking the time off. But it's well worth it. Thanks for joining us. This is April. And this is Rachel. And as always, your reviews on iTunes really help us out. So thank you for leaving those. Bye. Bye.